members. It is out of respect, caring, and friendship for every member of this body that I would like to share my position on this very complex issue. I'm coming from a place of love and compassion and can only hope and pray that it is received in that same spirit. While we can have debates on the best policy approach, I do not believe that any of us in this body actually wants to cause harm to children who are suffering from depression, dysphoria, or any other mental health issues. Over the past two years, I have extensively researched this issue and painstakingly reviewed the scientific data in this country and around the globe. As a woman of color, I know what it's like to feel unseen, unheard, and devalued. I have recently been treated that way by some in this process in coming to this vote. After listening to the debate today, I absolutely believe we should raise the age to 18 for children to receive GNRH analogs, cross-sex hormones, and to undergo potential irreversible body-altering surgeries. Members in this nation, most all adults, have been united in at least one basic premise, that children deserve protections, special protections, and exceptional treatment under the law. As a legislative body in this state, both Democrats and Republicans alike have routinely enacted legislation which shields children from acts which place them at an increased risk of harm. This principle is established in many areas of public health policy, such as restricting the age to 18 for tattoo services in this state. Restricting the age to 18 to get a tan at a tanning salon. Raising the age to 21 to purchase tobacco, cigarettes, and e-cigarettes. These policies and regulations are in place because we recognize that children should be protected from actions and activities which have harmful health risk or lifelong consequences. As a thoughtful legislator, mother, woman of faith, and child advocate, I am making a decision to place the safety and well-being of all young people over the comfort of political expediency. It is my core belief and conclusion that we should remain consistent in the premise that children must be given special provisions under the law as they cannot fully appreciate the long-term consequences of their actions. As such, the best practice should be to raise the age to 18 for gender modification. Moving forward with this prudent policy, we should also ensure that vulnerable children and teenagers have quality access to mental health care that is safe and in a safe and in a supportive environment. Only by taking a careful, compassionate, and evidence-based approach to this issue can we guarantee that we are doing what is truly in the best interest of our children. Thank you. Welcome to Disaffected. I'm Joshua Slocum. And that was Texas Democratic 
legislator, Sean Teary. I'm opening this, this week's show with something a little optimistic. Don't worry, there's going to be plenty of pessimistic stuff in the rest of the show, unfortunately. This is a Democrat in Texas. SB 14 is the bill that just passed the Senate that would ban Lupron, puberty blockers, chemical castration, and certainly physical surgery, so-called gender-affirming care on minors. We're going to keep watching to see what the next steps in this bill are. Look how scared she was. She was shaking. That emotion was genuine. None of that was confected. That was real. Notice how she had to pre-defend herself right from the beginning by saying that she was coming from a place of love and compassion. She had to do that. It probably won't work, but she had to do it. She had to say, I'm coming from a place of love and compassion when I tell you that I don't wish to have minor children surgically mutilated. She had to justify that as compassionate against the people who would like to see children physically and chemically mutilated. This is courage. It's real courage. This is, the me this is a member of the Democratic Party who has a conscience. That is what separates a partisan from a person with a soul. I wrote something on Substack. I'm going to share a couple of things with you in this episode from my writing recently. I want to talk about breaking with progressive liberals. And that's something I've done already, with the exception of a couple of longtime old friends whose friendship status is unclear to me at this point. But I, it feels to me as if I have reached another breaking point. I'll just read it. My imaginary audience for this is progressive liberals. Do you have a bridge too far? Can you imagine any action that the left could take or that the Democratic Party could take that would be too much for you? Is there an evil that your party could commit that would compel you to say, my conscience will not allow me to pull the lever for this party or to advocate its positions? This is too much. It is evil. Though I know that not voting for my party will endanger some of my personal interests, those are small compared to the evil that this party is doing. Do you have a bridge too far? It appears to me that most progressive liberals have no such bridge. It appears to me that most of them are shockingly weak-charactered, shockingly amoral, shockingly biddable, shockingly concerned with their social reputations in academia, big cities, journals, cocktail parties. Here are a number of bridges too far for me. They are bridges too far that should be enough, each singly on its own, to push any person of conscience, regardless of party, any person of conscience and goodwill to say no. 
The White House and the Democratic Party's official stance is that their children should be poisoned with Lupron, known as puberty blockers, and that there is such a thing as a child born in the wrong body who needs to have his testicles removed, needs to have her breasts sliced off. The official position of the White House and the Democratic Party is that white people are insanely evil and that they are targeting black people consciously for denial of jobs, housing, reasonable interest rates, health care, and targeting them for murder. Meanwhile, in reality, American black people have been elevated to the status of sacred caste in this country, while they, the black people, commit crimes, including violent crimes, at extraordinarily disproportionate rates to their percentage of the population. And did that word grab you, progressive liberals, that word disproportionate? It should grab you. You respond like Pavlov's dogs every time you hear it when it's used to characterize black people as victims when they are not. The Biden administration is allowing millions of unvetted, illegal immigrants into this country while calling any of us who want an orderly, vetted, reasonable immigration process racists. The Biden administration abrogated the constitutional rights of all Americans for years during the fake pandemic. Mask mandates, attempts at forced vaccination of federal workers, some of which worked. Courts don't work overnight. Plotting with Democratic state governors to force injections on citizens. The Democratic governors in various states did the same thing at the state level. In my own state, Vermont, Governor Phil Scott signed an executive order making it illegal to walk out of doors with anyone who did not live in your household. I could list dozens of similar illegal, unconstitutional behavioral executive orders from blue states across this country and unfortunately from red states too. The difference? The red staters dropped it butt quick when they figured it out. Not you progressive liberals. Some of you still want to be there. The public school system dominated by leftist teachers unions has produced the most ignorant, uneducated students in American history. Liberals, your own journals, your own journals and databases that you say you trust will even admit these numbers when they tally up how many students are below proficiency at grade level. Take a look. America's children are at third world or worse levels of knowledge and education and ability to think. This is quite aside from how unsocialized and feral they are. Fatherlessness and the concomitant phenomenon of stressed out, overburdened single mothers is at an all-time high. We see the results of this, yet I have heard people tell me Kids don't need fathers. I can't believe they're still backing that outmoded thinking. Liberals, the kids are not okay, no matter how irritated it makes you when you hear me say that. I am right. The kids are not okay. Children need fathers. Mothers alone are not enough. Women are not the superior sex. Uh-uh. Don't tell me, especially you liberal progressive women, don't tell me you don't believe that women are the superior sex. I know that you do. I can see it in your behavior. Don't lie. 
I know how many of you actually believe that, even though you won't admit it out loud. I can see right through you. I could make this a 10,000-word essay if I had the time. The list is absolutely endless. Having spent most of my life as a progressive liberal, I consider myself more than usually stubborn and late to mature. It disappoints me that it took me until my middle 40s to shake off my emotional and distorted allegiance to the left and leftist politics. And given what a late bloomer I am, I have to extend understanding to other late bloomers. It's only fair. But not infinite, unbounded understanding. And that line has been reached for me. Understanding stops now. Any one of the evils I listed above should have been enough for any person, including progressive liberals, to wake up and correct course. Late bloomer though I may be, I'm not nearly as late as those who are still living there. If you are still there, you're not part of my life. Something is profoundly wrong with your thinking and with your ethics. Anyone who is going to throw the lever for the Democratic Party in 2023 is not my friend and is not somebody I want to associate with. To do so is to affirm and support evil. It is to affirm and support state-sponsored child abuse at concentration camp levels of severity. This is not partisan politics either. Do not come back at me with that. It's not symmetrical, liberals. It's not, well, that's just the same thing as those nasty conservatives who hate me because I respect women or people of color or people of gender. No. Those nasty conservatives aren't the nasty people you think they are, actually. And most of them are an awful lot nicer than you in an actually substantive way. This isn't about politics, it's about morals. If you throw the lever for Team Blue in 2023, your morals are corrupt. I don't respect you because I can't respect you. We're opponents. And if this war on children and sanity heats up, we're gonna move past the point of being opponents and we're going to become actual enemies. Now let's talk about cartoons. Gen Xers, remember the Transformers? Actually, do you remember GoBots and Transformers? There was sort of a brand war that happened in the early mid 80s. Which one was better? I had a few of both. I, Transformers won. Nobody talks about GoBots anymore. Poor underdogs. <laughs> you know, the sexual grooming and the cult indoctrination of children is everywhere. Nothing is safe, not Sesame Street. Not even toddler shows like Blue's Clues, an American show. Did you know that Blue's Clues showed chess scars on their trans man beaver character? That's real. It is real. You know what? Even your fave liberals, Snopes, even your fave says it's true. I know. I know. Now we have to move to, we have to go from nah, nah, nah to yeah, and it's a good thing, right? Well, take a look at um, take a look at the new Transformers cartoon marketed to your children. My pronouns are they them. Thanks. I'm Sam. I'm she they, but you already know that. <laughs> wow. 
an amazing city. I'm sorry for how I reacted. It's just... Sometimes the world can be... a scary place. It's hard to know who's dangerous or not. Hmm, that's true, though disappointing. Hey, it's okay. I know I'm safe when I'm with my friends or other non-binary people. Non-binary? People who aren't female or male. Oh, I'm sorry, I shouldn't have assumed. I always knew my pronouns felt right, but... What a wonderful word for a wonderful experience. I always knew my pronouns felt right. What a wonderful word for a wonderful experience. <sighs> Hi, I'm she they. <laughs> but you knew that already. Do you notice her half blue non-binary hair? She's got it all. Sometimes the world can be a scary place. It's hard to know who's dangerous or not. But I know I'm safe with my friends and other non-binary people. This is direct cult speak. Separate from anyone who's not in the cult. Include, no, not including, especially your family. Outsiders are dangerous. They are suppressive persons. This is a disturbed group of adults behind this show, psychologically disturbed, who are projecting their psychological problems onto children as if this kind of rumination were a normal part of childhood development. It's not. What is non-binary? People who aren't female or male. Oh, sorry, I shouldn't have assumed. Shut up. There are no people who aren't female or male. Ah, getting ready to correct somebody? I know that intersex people exist. Guess what? All intersex people, disorders of sexual development, are fundamentally male or female at the chromosomal level. This is candy cottaging, what they're doing. Remember that this is a kid's show. Take a piece of toffee from the beautiful candy door I've made for you. Look through my windows of spun sugar. Doesn't the stove look warm and inviting? Come back after the break. Can't get enough of our love, baby? That's because you're not subscribed. Move that thumb over to the great big old subscribe button on your podcast app so you never miss an episode. We put out audio-only exclusive content that you won't get on any other video platform, so make sure you subscribe today. Looking for a non-woke place to put your money where your mouth is? Put it where my mouth is. Disaffected supporters get access to our private Discord chat server, backstage episode recording sessions, surprise guests, and more. And all it takes is $10 a month. You've got two options. Either Substack, visit us at disaffectedpod.substack.com, 
or go over to subscribestar.com slash disaffected. Remember, choose the $10 level or higher for Discord access. I can't remember which U.S. state it is, but this week, Democrats in this state blocked a bill or an amendment. I'm sorry, I tried to look this up last night so that I could be I could give you detail, but I I just couldn't find the thread. In one of the U.S. states, Democrats this week blocked a bill or an amendment that would have required insurance companies, health insurance companies to pay for detransition care. Now, you know, I'm not just going to leave you with care. Right. What does that mean? Reconstruction after mutilation. Now, if you've reconstructed your genitals or had them sliced off, there's little to nothing that can be done. But things like maybe breast reconstruction, not a perfect solution. You can't have your normal physical born with them breasts back, but you can have an approximation. Psychological care, endocrine care to help repair the damage that happens from abusing your body with cross-sex hormones. Why? Why would Democrats and liberals block insurance companies from paying to help these broken people? Why would they do that? What would motivate that? Does that make you as angry as it makes me? It's vicious. It's vicious. You know what motivates it? If I acknowledge that detransitioners exist, my entire political house of cards falls. These people are willing to let the victims of butchery suffer in misery so that they don't have to say I was wrong. And you wonder why I call the Democrat Party evil. Well, not so Australia. Interesting article, as the U.S. barrels Barrels right ahead to slowly kill gender non-conforming children because that's what gender-affirming care is. It's a slow death. The rest of the world is waking up. Holland, Sweden, other European countries, the places that started this shit, the Dutch protocol, put them on puberty blockers, make sure they don't develop enough dick tissue to look like a man. Even they have reversed course. Not us. Not us. But money talks. And it's going to take things like what one Australian insurance company is doing to stop this crap in the U.S. This is a malpractice insurer, somebody who provides insurance for doctors when they're sued for malpractice. This is from an excellent substack called Gender Clinic News. I recommend that you take a look at it. Australian doctors in private practice may come under pressure to cease involvement in medicalized gender change of minors following a landmark insurance decision that stresses the significant risk of litigation. Quote, in response to the high risk of claims arising from irreversible treatments provided to those who medically and surgically transition as children and adolescents, um, MDA National, that's the name of the company, is restricting cover for practitioners in private practice. Well, moving along, here's a quote from 
Jonas F. Ludvigsson of the Karolinska Institute, Swedish obviously. I am surprised by the shortage of studies in this field of pediatric transition. We found no randomized trials and only 24 relevant observational studies. This is a guy who took part in, um, as it says here, in Sweden's systematic review of the evidence base for transgender medicine for kids. Next quote. The MDA National email, that is the insurance company, the insurance company's email to doctors seeing gen gender dysphoric youth says, quote, from July 1st, we will not cover you or make a payment when the claim against you arises in any way out of your assessment that a patient under the age of 18 years is suitable for gender transition. More from the article. The insurer, which has 54,000 health professional members, also says it will no longer cover doctors if they face a claim after, quote, initiating prescribing of gender affirming hormones for any patient under the age of 18 years. We consider it appropriate that the assessment and initial prescribing for patients transitioning under the age of 18 years occurs with the support and management of a multidisciplinary team in a hospital setting. So what, what's going on here? This is not total progress, but it is a good, good step forward. This big insurance company in Australia will no longer give malpractice coverage to private doctors, to general practitioners who assess and decide that a child is ready for gender transition surgery because the risk of litigation is too high. Money talks. Unfortunately, this insurance company is still of the opinion that gender-affirming care could, could ever be anything other than malpractice and criminal felonious behavior. They are wrong, but Rome wasn't built in a day. Apparently, they're still going to cover this if it happens in a multidisciplinary hospital setting. I would not be at all surprised to see them move the goalpost on this one, too. This is what they told Gender Clinic News. We will not, however, we will not indemnify any member for claims that arise out of an assessment that a child or adolescent was suitable for transition or claims that arise out of the initial prescribing even if those activities were performed within a multidisciplinary team within a hospital. It's a little bit confusing what they're going to cover and what they're not. But here's the stinger. Quote, members of such a multidisciplinary team should ensure they have cover from the hospital, their employer, or from another indemnity provider. <laughs> A little bit more from the article. These new exclusions in MDA Nationals professional indemnity policies affect family doctors and specialists in private practice. Under Australian law, physicians cannot practice in fields of medicine where they lack insurance cover. Do you know what that means? At least the 54,000 doctors who are covered by MDA National in Australia can't do this to children anymore. Bye bye bye-bye. If they do, and they do it without malpractice insurance, they can lose their license. I wonder how many will do it. Some will. Some are still going to do it. You know that doctor, in my opinion, a psychopath, Sidibe Gallagher, I think her name is. She's that blonde woman in Florida 
who yeets the teats. That's what she says. I love yeeting the teats. She puts sad faces on Instagram when she only has two teats to yeet in a whole week. <laughs> that bitch is operating without malpractice insurance. I was astonished about that. Well, hope it catches up with her. If this company stands firm against any transgender activist backlash, the article says, and the remaining medical indemnity funds adopt similar carve-outs, the effect would be to concentrate the legal risk in state-funded children's hospital gender clinics. Okay? And if that concentration happens, you know where to focus your efforts, Aussies. This, this is good. This is a sign that insurers might go farther. They might start. They might stop covering these claims in gender clinics, too. But let's go back to the U.S. You've heard it for years. People have talked about the lack, the loss of objectivity in news. It's true. Um, but it's always relative. It's always relative to the era that you remember before. So when I talked about this a lot, when I was a, a newspaper reporter at a daily paper, uh, I started at a weekly and then I went to a daily. I did three years total of journalism, and this was from 1999 to 2002. Um, we still had newsroom conversations and conversations with our editors about what was crossing the line. There was to be zero editorializing, none. This was still the common norm 23, 23, 24 years ago. And I often felt hamstrung. Uh, as a reporter, I often felt that the rules for objectivity stopped me from actually saying truthful things. I think I was right about some of that, and I think uh, some of that I was just simply too partisan about, and I wanted to say things that just weren't appropriate to say. Nevertheless, I mean, I simply complied with the rules. You know, I was a professional. Not now. Not now. This is the Associated Press today. Biggest wire service in the world. Take a look at this headline. Remember, this is the AP writing their own words. Trans minors protected from parents under Washington law. I'll give you a little bit from the article. Minors seeking gender-affirming care in Washington will be protected, protected from the intervention of estranged parents under a measure Governor Jay Inslee signed into law Tuesday. The new law is part of a wave of legislation this year in Democratic-led states intended to give refuge among a conservative movement in which lawmakers in other states have attacked transgender rights and limited or banned gender-affirming care for minors. Licensed shelters and lost homes in Washington had generally been required to notify parents within 72 hours when a minor came into their care. Under the new law, facilities can instead contact the Department of Children, Youth, and Families which could then attempt to reunify the family, if feasible. Youths will also be allowed to stay at host homes, private volunteer homes that temporarily house young people without parental permission. Do you hear what I'm speaking here? This is the Associated Press. Attacking transgender rights, giving them refuge. This is insanity. 
listen to the editorializing and it's a new wave of legislation. They're limiting and bad care. The conservatives, the evil Republicans. They're not even hiding it. I would have been fired from the newspaper I worked for if I'd written on that on any topic. Yeah, I would have been given my walking papers. Anybody would have. New normal. Licensed homes. Oh, and, and uh, children and family services will reunite families if feasible. Right. It's not ever going to be feasible to reunite them with a family who doesn't want to mutilate them. <laughs> and the estranged parents, do you know who many of those estranged parents are? Almost every one of them is a father who is estranged from his wife because she is a psychotic borderline with Munchausen's by proxy and the state is on her side. Convenient, isn't it? Kids don't need fathers, though. I can't believe that they're still doing that outmoded thinking. Quote, with this bill, Washington leads the way by taking a more compassionate, developmentally appropriate and reasoned approach to support these youth as they access gender affirming treatment and reproductive health care services, says Washington Governor Jay Inslee. Next quote. Oregon lawmakers are expected to pass a bill that would further expand insurance coverage for gender affirming care to include things like facial hair removal and Adam's apple reduction surgery procedures currently considered cosmetic by insurers, but seen as critical to the mental health of transitioning women. I'm going to I want to point the language out to you. Did you catch what they did there in that last sentence? There was a sleight of hand. Did you catch it? I'll repeat the sentence. Procedures currently considered cosmetic by insurers, but seen as critical to the mental health of transitioning women. So insurers see this as cosmetic, but there's no person, no entity referenced, but seen as critical to the mental health of transitioning women. Seen by whom? Who's doing the seeing? Whose opinion is this? They won't tell you. Interesting, isn't it? It's just normal. The insurers think it's cosmetic, but it's really just seen as essential. Unbelievable. And there are no transitioning women that you're talking about here, AP. These are men. More editorial sermonizing from the AP. Protections in blue states are being baked into law as Republican-led states take steps to bar access to gender-affirming care for transgender minors, which for people under 18 typically involves puberty blockers or other hormone treatments. Restrictions have gone into effect in eight states this year, including conservative Utah and South Dakota, and are slated in at least nine more by next year. Those who oppose, again, remember, this is the AP writing in their own words. Those who oppose gender-affirming care raise fears about the long-term effects of treatment on teens, argue research is limited, and focus particularly on irreversible procedures such as genital surgeries or mastectomies. God, they're so bad. Why would they do that? Why would conservatives do this? Quote, 
Yet those operations are rarely performed on minors. Doctors typically guide kids toward therapy or voice coaching long before medical intervention. Puberty blockers, anti-androgens that block the effects of testosterone, and hormone treatments are far more common than surgery. They have been available in the U.S. for more than a decade and are standard treatments backed by major doctors' organizations, including the American Medical Association. Yet they're rarely performed. Really? Prove it. Liars. You're just lying. And how rare does it have to be to make it okay? Is it okay if it only happens to 20 children? Is it okay to, to mutilate 20 children? Because th that would be considered rare. And, oh, it's only hormone blockers. It's only chemical castration. It's only poisoning them with cross-sex hormones. God, why would conservatives do this? Why they do this? <laughs> Fucking freaks. Doctors typically guide kids to therapy. No, they don't. This is the most flagrant lie of the pro-gender lobby, which includes all of the U.S. mainstream media. No, they don't. They reach for puberty blockers and hormones immediately. Planned Parenthood does it. Doctors do it. We see it every single day. There are hundreds and hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of reports from young women who have been through this process, some of them showing the actual video of their appointment. They don't guide them to shit. And you can't guide them to actual talk therapy because blue states have made it illegal for psychotherapists to actually do therapy. If they don't immediately affirm the trans delusion, the law says they're practicing conversion therapy, which is outlawed. That's the case here in Vermont. I know therapists in Vermont who will not see anyone who gives even a hint of having a gender identity because they cannot act according to their conscience and counsel that person without losing their license and breaking the law. So they simply won't see them. Also convenient, isn't it? Now, we're coming up on a break, but <laughs> I want to acknowledge what today is. It's Mother's Day. And of course, there's always nonsense on Mother's Day. It may surprise you the tack I'm going to take on this. I am not in favor of all the cart belly aching from people who are abused by their mothers, bitching and moaning about Mother's Day. I think it's venal, petty, and malicious. Why don't you want people to just have a good day? Why, won't, why can't we be happy when people have a good mother? Most mothers are not abusive. Well, we can't because we live in new normal. You know, my friend Holly, who runs Holly Math Nerd Substack, she's really good, and she's writing on the, the Constitution this week. You should definitely check her out, and you should subscribe. She told me that she got a, about a half a dozen emails from businesses recently offering her the chance to opt out of Mother's Day promotional emails because we know that this day is very hard for some people. And as she said... So you want to protect them from Mother's Day stuff? So send them an email directly mentioning Mother's Day. Make them interact with this and say, no, I don't want to hear about Mother's Day. You've just ruined the entire purpose of this. And the purpose of this is stupid and babyish anyway. Grow the hell up. <laughs> Grow up. There is not a single adult in the world who has a legitimate excuse for being traumatized by getting an email from Crate and Barrel about a Mother's Day discount. I mean, I hate, I hate this phrase, but can you think of a bigger example of first world problems? Well, take a look at, take a look at this picture. This is from uh, 
CTV News in Toronto. It's pictures showing the uh, the marquee sign in front of Q Beach Junior Public School, and the sign reads, "Life does not come with a manual; it comes with a mom." Let me read to you from the article. Some parents in Toronto's East End are calling out a local school for posting what they claim was a harmful and exclusionary Mother's Day greeting on its outdoor message board. <laughs> the woman, whose children do not attend the school, objected to the message because it leaves out many families. She decided to go public with her concerns, and her initial post has since been commented on dozens of times. Quote, oh, I wish I knew this woman's name. I don't know if this is a terribly misguided attempt at wishing folks a happy Mother's Day or just generally the worst sign possible, she wrote. God, what a bitch. I don't feel like this represents the neighborhood it's in, the cohort of families at this school, or anything really. She told the news station that it should have been a no-brainer for the school to post a more inclusive message, especially given the presence of many non-traditional families in the wider community. Dozens of parents have since chimed in on the post, most of whom said they found the message problematic. Don't tell me it's parents. Every single one of them was a woman. Mothers, not parents. One person said the greeting was in bad taste, while others called it inappropriate and mega exclusionary. God, Heather, what is your damage? <laughs> you know, from all of you, from a man who didn't have a mother who loved him, I have one thing to say to you. Get fucked. Because God knows you need a sorting out. See you on the other side. Can't get enough of our love, baby? That's because you're not subscribed. Move that thumb over to the great big old subscribe button on your podcast app so you never miss an episode. We put out audio-only exclusive content that you won't get on any other video platform, so make sure you subscribe today. Looking for a non-woke place to put your money where your mouth is? Put it where my mouth is. Disaffected supporters get access to our private Discord chat server, backstage episode recording sessions, surprise guests, and more. And all it takes is $10 a month. You've got two options. Either Substack, visit us at disaffectedpod.substack.com, or go over to subscribestar.com slash disaffected. Remember, choose the $10 level or higher for Discord access. Welcome back. Do you have a problem in your life you want to talk about? Cluster B parent, boss, deacon at church, problem person, vexed relationship? I offer one hour private, confidential coaching and consulting sessions at joshuaslocum.net. We can actually talk about anything you want. You don't have to be sure that the person you're dealing with has a personality disorder. I specialize in cluster B dynamics, as you know, but I've talked to people about which path to take uh, for their career, uh, whether or not they're right for the academic field they're in. And actually this week, I, I went back to my roots and I did some consulting with someone about funeral planning. You know, I spent 20 years being the most recognized consumer advocate when it came to funerals, funeral fraud, overspending, this sort of stuff. And uh, 
You want to book an hour with me? I tell you this with absolutely no exaggeration. I will save you thousands of dollars on a funeral, cremation, burial, whatever it is that you want, just in an hour. It's not that difficult. So if this is interesting to you, book some time with me. I'd love to talk to you. JoshuaSlocum.net. Now, you know that the military has been recruiting queer people for inclusivity because diversity is our strength. Not our military, not our readiness, not our discipline, not our order, not our threatening stance. No, diversity, men wearing dresses, women with metal in their faces. That's really our military strength, you see. <laughs> They're actively recruiting drag queens now. Yes, yes, they are. They're fluffing up narcissists and putting them out in public as the face of the military for recruitment. Do you want narcissists? Because this is how you get more narcissists. <laughs> Take a look at this guy. This is Joshua Kelly and um, Joshua Ina Kelly, his drag altar. Look at that. Look, look at that. Look at I'm, I'm doing bunny, 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 your quotes, smile. Look at that smile on his face. That's not a smile. That's not a smile. That's a viper. Very wicked queen. Well, people noticed and people said not nice things. And people even said they were a little bit worried that other countries might not take our military seriously. And Joshua Kelly, oh, excuse me, his drag name is Harpy Daniels. Harpy Daniels just, well, she had this to say about it, okay? Run it, Kevin. Inspiration here. I like this V. Um, basically just, uh, you know, D, G, You know, I can make that face, too. Vainglorious prick. You know what it's time for? It's time for a teaser of Populi du Mokori. <laughs> as you know, we are doing Populi du Mokori as a Rumble exclusive, and it is when I take the stupidest people and roast the skin right off them. But we always give you a teaser in the show. Uh, usually I do it at the last minute, but there's more to this show after this teaser. So I just want you to remember, go over to rumble slash rumble.com. I'm trying to remember what Shelby said last week. Rumble.com slash C slash disaffected. That's our channel. So hop on over there after this show is done. I have a treat for you. <laughs> <laughs> this is going to be difficult. I have been waiting on this for a week. Every time I look at it, this is what happens. I was doing this at 11.54 last night. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Let me describe this first for our radio listeners. This is... 
no, no, let me not. Let me describe it afterwards. Kevin, put put it on the screen, please. <laughs> this is a Twitter account you should follow. It's called Males in Disguise, and it's got a Transformer avatar. I think it's an extremely funny woman. I, and she just posts this stuff all over the place. She said, <laughs> she's got a post of this dude who is, appears to be about... 50, 55 years old, vastly overweight, um, clown girl makeup on, um, strange, everything about it is strange. He's taking a bathroom selfie in front of a urinal. Somebody said, (laughs) I think his drag name is Jen Franklin. (laughs) This is, (laughs) and he says, I should have been a hooker in San Francisco. I'm literal better looky looky than most bio holes anyway. Sad and real. Mwah. <laughs> this is so goddamn funny. I don't care if it's a parody or not. <laughs> a bio hole. You've got a five foot four male golem standing in front of a pisser covered in wet and wild with a forehead that ac- could accommodate an Airbus 380. And you're going to talk about bio holes, bitch. <laughs> mm. <laughs> that he, you know what? He's serving us some real fresh Shelby right there. What is a bio hole? I googled, so you don't have to. Let's show him the bio holes, Kevin. This is what Google says a bio hole is. <laughs> From Nipro Medical, bio hole, dull fistula needle with capix scab remover. <laughs> It's good. <laughs> Nipro's biohole dull fistula needle is a buttonhole AV fistula needle. You know what AV means? It means anal and vaginal. Designed for hemodialysis treatment, it comes with a cap pick for easy scab removal. <laughs> well, maybe it's not anal and vaginal. They, they don't really do hemodialysis through the coach, do they? <laughs> <laughs> All right. In my normal schizophrenic fashion, um, we're going to switch tone again. Um, I guess Mother's Day was on my mind this week. I, I I'm not. I've I've actually it. it it does the 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 day doesn't bother me. Father's Day doesn't bother me. I don't have any emotional reaction to it. I'm not triggered by it, um, and I really don't think anybody else should either. Uh, should be either. I mean, if you're if you're in a place where the very mention of um, a holiday to share warm thoughts about a parent, the very existence of that is that is that upsetting to you? That's that that's an issue for therapy. It really is. I mean, without even trying to make fun of people at this point, I mean, if it feels that raw to you, you've got some stuff to work out, some some heavy and deep stuff. So please don't stay there. You know, move past that. But nevertheless, I think it has been on my mind. I wrote something else on Substack this week that I want to close out the show with for you here. And I'm, I'm going to, I don't want to wing this, so I'm going to hew pretty close to what I wrote. 
people who watch or listen to Disaffected often say that it must be difficult for me to tell stories of abuse from my childhood and my youth, but it isn't. Telling the world about the lies, the psychological manipulation, the night raids, and the beatings doesn't faze me. It never really has. Telling stories about the alarming or the extremes that I've encountered. Perhaps it's connected to my ability to be competent in other people's emergencies. I'm, I'm less competent about my own, but I'm really good in other people's emergencies. And, and past me, childhood me, almost feels like another person at this point. So maybe that's where the distance comes from. You know, for all of my neuroticism about my internal anxieties and the anxieties that I can create and do create for myself, I'm a pretty good friend in a disaster. I don't fall apart or cry, at least until I've taken care of the immediate danger. It's, it's also easy for me to tell the stories of what happened because they have, I'm doing this with a pedagogical purpose. I'm not narrating my past to get sympathy. I don't need it. I don't want it. I do this because it's effective at helping other people see their own lives, their own pasts, and to a degree their own present, and their potential futures a little bit more clearly. What is difficult to talk about are the good times, the happy memories. They are fewer, of course, but they exist, they happened. It's hard for a person to know how to understand a mother who loves you one day and hates you the next and for most of the next few days. And it, it's sometimes hard to find words to talk about the way that feels or how difficult it is to figure out. But there's an even deeper loss that I'm coming to understand only fairly recently. As I approach 50 years old, I know that my life is more than half gone. And though I wouldn't have predicted this feeling even a few years ago, knowing that I will never have my own family is weighing a little more heavily on my mind than I predicted. <clears throat> what could have been, but what was not, is for me a mournful part of middle age. And the full knowledge of it is coming home to me. What my family could have had, what I could have created, what I tried to magic in the world, magic into the world long past the time that that ship had sailed. That's why I went into debt to buy my mother a house. If I could solve her lifelong money problems, we could finally be a real family. We could make supper together with good humor. There wouldn't be any more need for screaming or raging or crying, or talking about suicide. I thought I could create a new heaven and a new earth for my family. And neither shall there be mourning nor crying nor pain anymore, for these things will have passed away. That was never possible. There was a time before I became hard the way I am today. As a little boy and as a youth, I wasn't like this. I wanted my family to be happy. I was soft. I was sweet. I loved caring for my baby brother and sister. I liked changing their diapers. I liked feeding them. I liked talking to them. I liked reading them stories. I liked tucking them in at night. 
I loved the cats. I adored the cats. I adored taking care of them until they were inevitably given away. I loved my mother as a, as a boy. I loved my mother and I wanted to make her happy and I wanted to make her stop crying. But there was no place for that love to go. I wasn't allowed to give her the love that I wanted to give her. What I did give her was never enough and what I did in love was thrown back at me as evidence of my selfish depravity. There is still no place for that love to go and there may never be for me. So telling the truth about an ugly past is not difficult, but being unable to give that love is. Good night.